Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into Good Economics for Hard Times, a thought provoking exploration by Nobel laureates Abhijit V. Banerjee and Esther Duflo. Published in 2019, this book casts a critical eye on today's pressing challenges, including climate change, increasing inequality, global trade, and immigration fears. Banerjee and Duflo, renowned for their pioneering work in development economics, demonstrate how economics, when applied thoughtfully, can offer innovative solutions to these complex issues without leaving the vulnerable behind. Authors Abhijit V. Banerjee and Esther Duflo, both esteemed professors at MIT, received the 2019 Nobel Prize for Economics. This accolade was in recognition of their significant contributions to development economics, notably illustrated in their earlier work, Poor Economics, which investigates the nuances of poverty and the most effective means of aid. Their academic journey is decorated with numerous honors, underscoring their profound impact on economic thought and policy. Good economics for hard times is particularly suited for those looking to rediscover the potential of economics as a force for good in addressing global crises. Environmentalists eager for fresh insights on combating climate change without disadvantaging the poor will find the book enlightening. Additionally, it speaks to workers concerned about the impacts of immigration and international trade on their livelihoods, offering them perspective and understanding. Join us as we summarize and dissect the essence of this significant work, shedding light on how economics can guide us through the tough times we face. Good Economics for Hard Times, Better Answers to Our Biggest Problems. Introduction, Unlocking the Power of Economics to Heal the World's Woes. In times of turmoil, with headlines blaring warnings of immigration crises, the perils of protectionism, environmental doom, and an impending job apocalypse due to automation, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. It becomes a challenge to discern truth from sensationalism, and reasoned debate is often drowned out by political shouting matches. Amidst this noise, the voices of economists are frequently dismissed or misunderstood, categorized as being biased or excessively technical. Yet what if there were clarity amidst this confusion, offered by none other than two Nobel laureates in economics? In an exploration of good economics for hard times, we embark on a journey to demystify the complex world of economics, guided by the expertise of economists who've dedicated their lives to understanding how our world works, not just in theory, but in the messy, unpredictable reality of daily life. This narrative is not just about pointing out flaws in popular economic theories or exposing the partiality of politically charged economic policies. It's an invitation to rediscover the value of economics as a tool for solving some of the most persistent problems facing humanity. Here, you'll engage with the unexpected consequences of seemingly straightforward policies. For instance, learn how imposing tariffs on imports like Chinese steel could inadvertently lead to American farm workers losing their livelihoods, setting off a cascade of unintended effects across the economy. Delve into the fascinating world of automation and artificial intelligence and understand why.
even as sophisticated robots begin to perform tasks like accounting. The future of dog walking is secure in human hands. One of the most contentious issues in modern politics, immigration, is also tackled with a fresh economic lens. Contrary to the fears often stoked by headlines, you'll discover how welcoming immigrants can actually bolster job prospects for local populations, turning a hot-button issue into a story of potential economic harmony. Good Economics for Hard Times is more than just a book. It's a beacon of hope, shining a light on how we can employ economic principles to address and solve societal challenges. Through down-to-earth insights and real-world examples, it challenges us to rethink our preconceived notions about what economics is and what it can achieve. Join us on this enlightening journey to uncover how, by embracing good economics, we can navigate through the hardest of times towards a brighter, more inclusive future for all. Part 1. Building Bridges of Trust the crucial role of economists in today's world. Imagine a world where the voice of reason and logic rises above the clamorous din of political rhetoric. A world where economists armed with data and insights guide us through the maze of global challenges. However, there's a snag in this ideal scenario. People's trust in economists hovers just slightly above their faith in politicians, which is to say, not very high at all. This concerning distrust stems not from a lack of expertise on the economist's part, but from a communication gap and a perception of bias. The visibility of economists in the media tends to be skewed towards those with vested interests or those espousing polarizing views, whether it's the corporate economist whose insights mysteriously align with the firm's bottom line, or the academic voicing radical opinions from either end of the political spectrum the public is left wrestling with the feeling that economic advice is just another tool for partisan agendas. Moreover, even when well-intentioned economists endeavor to explain complex economic phenomena, their analyses often come across as esoteric or counterintuitive, conflicting with the populist narratives peddled by politicians. This disconnect fuels the perception that economists live in ivory towers, far removed from the realities of the average person. Yet, in the face of global crises, be it financial instability, environmental threats, or social inequality, the insights economists can offer are more critical than ever. So how do we bridge this chasm of distrust? The path forward requires economists to not only share their conclusions, but also to open up about their methodologies, thought processes, and the evidence that supports their findings. By making economics more transparent and accessible, they can demystify their work and show the public the rationale behind their recommendations. Equally important is humility. The realm of economic debate, much like political discourse, has become increasingly polarized, with little room for concession or uncertainty. Economists must embrace a culture of openness readily acknowledging the limitations of their data and being prepared to adjust their views in light of new evidence. It's not about conceding defeat, but demonstrating a commitment to truth and intellectual integrity. Earning back the trust of the public won't happen overnight, 
but by prioritizing clear communication, transparency, and humility, economists can begin to reposition themselves as the impartial advisors and problem solvers we so desperately need. As they work to cross this divide, they not only elevate the discourse around critical issues, but also empower us all with the knowledge to make informed decisions about our collective future. Part 2. Unraveling the Myths the real story behind immigration and economics. Immigration, a topic surrounded by heated debates and fiery political rhetoric, is often cast in a negative light by influential figures. High-profile politicians, including Donald Trump, have crafted a narrative of invasion, one where immigrants are portrayed as a relentless tide, undermining economies, snatching jobs from native workers, and eroding national identities. This narrative leverages a simplistic understanding of economic principles, specifically the law of supply and demand, to argue that an influx of immigrants equates to an oversaturated labor market, resulting in plummeting wages and rising unemployment among local citizens. However, when held up against empirical evidence, this argument begins to crumble. The assumption that the mere allure of financial gain is a universal motivator for migration is fundamentally flawed. Take, for example, the economic crisis in Greece in 2013. Despite facing severe financial hardship and having the legal right and means to move to more affluent European Union countries, only about 3% of the Greek population chose to relocate. This starkly contradicts the notion of mass migration in pursuit of economic opportunity. Moreover, the reluctance to migrate isn't just a phenomenon observed across international borders. Studies within countries like India have shown a similar pattern. Despite the potential to double their income by moving from rural areas in Bihar and Uttar Pradesh to urban centers, a vast majority of the population chooses to stay put. Such decisions highlight the powerful role of non-economic factors, family bonds, social networks and the fear of the unknown that tether people to their homes regardless of financial incentives. These insights debunk the simplistic economic models politicians often use to stir public fear about immigration. The reality is that the decision to migrate is complex, driven by a myriad of factors beyond just the promise of higher earnings. It challenges the narrative that countries need to brace themselves against supposed waves of eager immigrants. Instead, it suggests a need for policies that understand and address the nuanced realities of migration, not to prevent it, but to harness its potential benefits. As we delve deeper into the discussion on immigration, it becomes evident that the issue is not about restricting movement, but rather about fostering an environment where migration can serve as a boon, particularly to the local workforce. Contrary to the scaremongering, Immigration holds promising prospects for economic growth and opportunities for unskilled workers in host countries. The key lies in dismantling the myths and looking at the evidence moving towards a more informed and constructive dialogue on immigration. Part 3. Immigration. A catalyst for economic vibrancy and opportunity. Let's picture a scenario that might resonate with the fears stoked by some political narratives. You're working as a waiter in a town that has recently seen an influx of immigrants. Against the backdrop of dire warnings about job competition, 
you brace for the worst. But then, an unexpected twist unfolds. Your restaurant buzzes with more activity than ever. This surge in business is a tangible testament to an often overlooked aspect of immigration. Immigrants don't just contribute labor. They bring demand that revitalizes local economies. Immigrants inject vitality into businesses by frequenting cafes, restaurants, and local shops, creating a ripple effect that benefits everyone, especially low-skilled workers. But their impact doesn't stop there. Some of the most innovative and enterprising newcomers carve out niches for themselves by establishing their businesses, adding to the layers of economic dynamism. A telling point in this narrative is the fact that in 2017, close to half of America's top Fortune 500 companies had their origins in the dreams of immigrants or their descendants. Icons of industry and innovation such as Steve Jobs, with familial roots in Syria, and Henry Ford, whose lineage traces back to Ireland, exemplify the profound contributions of immigrant entrepreneurs. The fear that immigrants will displace local, low-skilled workers is rooted in misconceptions and overlooks critical realities. Beyond the economic stimulus they provide, immigrants rarely oust native workers from their roles due to a significant factor, the indispensable value of social networks and local know-how that native workers possess. Employing someone is a decision layered with considerations beyond mere cost efficiency. Employers prize reliability, work ethic, and fit within the team, qualities often vouched for through personal recommendations or prior local experience. Moreover, native workers possess valuable skills, such as language proficiency and cultural acumen, that are indispensable in many sectors. Research from Denmark has highlighted that, in regions with higher immigrant populations, Local workers are more likely to transition from manual labor to roles requiring specialized skills, thereby elevating their career trajectories. It's important to note that while immigration might intensify competition in some lower-wage sectors, such as cleaning or childcare, this also leads to more accessible services. This accessibility can be a boon for other segments of the local population, like low-income families now able to afford childcare thereby enabling them to pursue employment opportunities. Immigration, far from being the threat it is often portrayed as, emerges as a catalyst for economic growth and diversity. Fostering an environment where new opportunities flourish, not just for the newcomers, but for the native population as well. By re-examining the narrative around immigration through the lens of economic benefits and mutual opportunity, we can embrace a more inclusive and thriving future for all members of the community. Part 4. The Complex Reality Behind the Free Flow of Goods in Global Trade In the utopian vision presented by proponents of international trade agreements, the world operates on a simple principle. Countries focus on producing what they're most efficient at, then trade with others to fill in the gaps. This idea champions the free movement of goods across borders, where Egypt might export its artisanal carpets and China its high-tech electronics, creating a global marketplace of complementary strengths and needs. But beneath the sleek surface of this theory lies a more stubborn reality, one that significantly undercuts the fluidity and adaptability such agreements presuppose. The assumption that industries and workforces can pivot 
with the agility that international trade demands is, in many cases, a fallacy. Consider the workforce, for instance. The idea that workers, facing redundancy in their current roles due to shifting trade dynamics, can simply transition to burgeoning sectors ignores the profound challenges of mobility and reskilling. Case in point, as seen in previous discussions, economic incentives alone are insufficient to spur significant worker migration, even within national borders. The notion of industry switching, therefore, falters when confronted with the reality of geographical and psychological barriers that tether people to their locales. The narrative doesn't get any brighter on the corporate side. The agility ascribed to companies by international trade theory is not mirrored in the real-world behavior of these entities. Petia Topolova's research during her PhD at MIT sheds light on this disparity revealing the rarity with which companies discontinue unprofitable product lines in response to global trade pressures. This corporate inertia is compounded by the banking sector, which often continues to funnel credit into stagnating businesses rather than financing innovative startups. The theoretical emergence of new, dynamic companies ready to seize the opportunities presented by global trade is hamstrung by practical obstacles, including access to funding, and the entrenched positions of established firms. Breaking into the global market is an additional hurdle for these newcomers. Gaining the trust of foreign buyers, essential for competing on an international scale, is a slow process fraught with challenges. Reputation for reliability, quality, and punctuality doesn't come overnight. And without it, companies from developing nations are often viewed with skepticism. This hesitance stymies investment, trapping potentially transformative enterprises in a cycle of underdevelopment and obscurity. In essence, while the free movement of goods is lauded in theory, the impediments to free movement of labor and capital highlight significant flaws in the existing structure of international trade. These barriers reveal a landscape where the ideal of global economic integration remains elusive hindered by the immovable realities of human and corporate behavior. Understanding these challenges is crucial for crafting trade policies that are not only theoretically sound but practically viable, fostering a genuinely interconnected global economy. Part 5. Navigating the complex terrain of trade and tariffs, a more nuanced approach needed. In a scene that captured the attention of many, Donald Trump, flanked by steelworkers, confidently announced the imposition of substantial tariffs on imported aluminum and steel from China in 2018. This move, ostensibly aimed at protecting American jobs, was met with mixed reactions. On the surface, the logic appears straightforward. Safeguarding local steel jobs through tariffs should, in theory, increase demand for domestic steel thus preserving the livelihoods of those in the industry. However, the narrative takes a twist when considering the broader impacts and repercussions. China's countermove, the imposition of tariffs on American agricultural products, uncovers the interconnectedness and complexity of international trade dynamics. Given that a significant portion, 16% of U.S. agricultural exports, are destined for China, these retaliatory tariffs have dire consequences for American farm workers, setting off a domino effect that extends far beyond the steel industry. 
This scenario illustrates the limitations of a protectionist approach. While it may offer temporary relief to specific sectors, it fails to account for the intricate web of global trade relations and the potential for adverse outcomes on other sectors of the economy. The phenomenon known as the China shock provides a stark example of the devastation that can ensue from the upheaval of local industries due to competitive pressures from cheap imports. The town of Brewston, Tennessee serves as a sobering case study where the closure of a major factory not only led to widespread job losses, but also precipitated the economic decline of the entire community. Such scenarios highlight the profound and far-reaching impact of global trade dynamics on local economies and underscore the complexity of finding sustainable solutions. Addressing the fallout from these economic shifts requires more than just tariffs or protectionist measures. It calls for comprehensive support structures to aid those displaced by the changing landscape of global trade. The Trade Adjustment Assistance TAA, program in the U.S. is a step in the right direction, offering a blend of unemployment insurance extensions, training programs, and relocation assistance. However, the effectiveness of such initiatives is hampered by insufficient funding and resources. The challenge lies in crafting policies that not only provide immediate relief to affected sectors, but also invest in the long-term resilience and adaptability of the workforce. This involves a delicate balance between protecting local industries and engaging constructively with the global economy. Rather than retreating behind tariffs, the focus should shift towards empowering workers through education, skills development, and support mechanisms, enabling them to navigate and thrive in the ever-evolving economic landscape. In essence, the solution to the disruptions caused by global trade is not found in isolationism, but in fostering a workforce that is versatile, skilled, and equipped to meet the demands of the new economic realities. This approach requires a nuanced understanding of trade dynamics and a commitment to investing in the human capital at the heart of the economy. Part 6. Bridging the Gap. Combating Climate Change and economic inequality together. In the waning months of 2018, the Yellow Vest movement in France underscored a critical tension at the heart of modern environmental policy. Sparked by a proposed gasoline tax, the protests captured a widespread sentiment. The fight against climate change seemed to disproportionately burden the less affluent, who relied on their vehicles for daily survival, while the elite remained insulated from such measures. This episode illuminates a deeper, often overlooked truth. The battle against climate change and the struggle against economic inequality are inextricably linked. The dichotomy presented between safeguarding the future of our planet and protecting current economic interests, particularly those of the lower socioeconomic strata, is a false one. Not only is this an oversimplification, but it also ignores the reality that the poor are already shouldering the heaviest consequences of climate change. Consider the impact of rising temperatures on different parts of the world. A slight increase in Scandinavia might be welcome, but for countries near the equator like India, even a marginal rise can render the climate oppressively hot. The disparity in resources to combat these conditions is stark. While a vast majority of American households have access to air conditioning, only a fraction of Indian families enjoy such relief. The prevailing notion that economic expansion is an unalloyed good, 
complicates efforts to address climate change. The imperative to curtail energy consumption clashes with fears of economic repercussions, particularly for the economically vulnerable. How, then, can we reconcile these competing demands? The solution lies not in choosing between protecting the planet and safeguarding the economy, but in recognizing the mutual benefits of addressing both issues concurrently. This approach requires a commitment to reducing emissions in affluent countries while also supporting the developing world, which bears the brunt of environmental degradation. A case in point is the potential for wealthier nations to finance the distribution of environmentally friendly air conditioners in hotter climates, thus mitigating both HFC gas emissions and providing immediate relief to those most affected by heat waves. Addressing climate change equitably involves a comprehensive strategy that seeks not only to reduce emissions, but also to foster economic resilience in vulnerable populations. It necessitates a bold reimagining of global wealth distribution, calling on wealthier countries to shoulder a fair share of the costs associated with transitioning to a more sustainable yet inclusive economic model. Ultimately, the fight against climate change cannot be decoupled from the fight against economic inequality. It demands a holistic approach that recognizes the interconnectedness of these challenges and strives towards solutions that advance the well-being of both our planet and its inhabitants. Part 7. The Evolving Challenge of AI and Automation in the Workforce Picture a world where your morning coffee is brewed by a robot, your taxes are filed by an algorithm, and your news is written not by a journalist, but by artificial intelligence. It's a scenario that might seem ripped from the pages of a science fiction novel, yet it's becoming increasingly closer to reality. As automation and AI technologies advance, they promise to revolutionize industries, but also pose significant questions about the future of employment. Historically, automation has transformed the job market, often at the expense of human workers. Research has shown that the introduction of industrial robots not only reduces the number of available jobs, but also applies downward pressure on wages. Up until now, it's primarily been manual labor at the forefront of automation. However, AI's trajectory indicates that higher complexity jobs are no longer immune. From bookkeeping to sports reporting and even legal research, tasks once thought to require the nuanced understanding of a human are now within the reach of machines. This trend places a premium on certain skill sets while diminishing others. Jobs in the realms of computer science and engineering may see growth, but positions that don't require a college degree are increasingly vulnerable. The looming question becomes, what happens to the swath of the workforce caught in this technological upheaval? The financial incentives for companies to choose robots over people, even when robots are not necessarily more efficient, complicate the issue further. Robots don't require health insurance, they don't take maternity leave, and they aren't subject to payroll taxes. To counter this trend, some propose a tax penalty for organizations that opt for automation in roles that could feasibly be filled by humans. Such a measure aims to ensure that technology serves to augment rather than replace human workers. Yet, 
the challenge of distinguishing between tools that replace and those that enhance human work remains. As technology becomes more integrated into every aspect of work, drawing the line between human and machine becomes increasingly complex. Addressing the challenges presented by AI and automation calls for a nuanced understanding of their potential impacts on the job market. While it's clear that certain jobs may become obsolete, the focus should shift toward creating opportunities for humans to work alongside machines. The goal is not to halt progress, but to navigate it in a way that values human contribution and promotes economic equality. However, as we'll explore further, technological advancements aren't the sole drivers of inequality. Much also depends on the structure of social policies and the broader economic system. Part 8. Tracing the Roots of Economic Inequality Beyond the Age of Robots In a world where discussions about economic inequality often veer towards the impact of robots and artificial intelligence, it's crucial to remember that this issue has deeper, more historical roots. Robots, while symbolizing the pinnacle of technological intrusion, are just the latest chapter in a story that began long before digital self-checkouts graced our supermarkets. The narrative of economic inequality, particularly in the United States, is both profound and long-standing. Up until the late 20th century, the wealth gap was showing signs of narrowing. From a high in 1928, where the wealthiest 1% of Americans held 28% of the national income. This figure had reduced significantly by 1979. However, the onset of the 1980s marked a dramatic shift in economic policy and ideology, leading to a resurgence of levels of inequality comparable to those of the pre-Depression era. Since then, wealth inequality has not just returned to previous highs but has nearly doubled. What underpins this sharp divergence? A change in policy direction is a significant factor. The 1980s saw the rise of leaders like Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, who championed tax cuts for the wealthy under the guise of trickle-down economics, a theory suggesting that benefits for the wealthy will eventually make their way to the lower rungs of society. Yet, the reality of trickle-down economics has proven quite different. While the incomes of the wealthiest skyrocketed, wages for the working and middle classes stagnated. Adjusted for inflation, the average wage in 2014 was no higher than it was in 1979. For the least educated workers, the situation was even grimmer, with real wages significantly lower in 2018 than they were in 1980. This period also reinforced the notion that high earners deserved their wealth due to their talent and hard work, promoting a culture where CEO bonuses in finance, often disconnected from actual performance, Burgeoned. The alignment of CEO compensation with company market value meant that as a company prospered, so too did its top executives, irrespective of their contribution to that success. Meanwhile, the wages of lower level employees remained stagnant or even decreased, exacerbating the income divide. The stark disparity in earnings between the top echelons and the rest is a pressing issue that undermines social cohesion and economic stability. Addressing this chasm requires a concerted effort to recalibrate the tax system, ensuring that wealth is more equitably distributed.
Only through such measures can societies hope to tackle the underlying causes of economic inequality, an endeavor that transcends the boundaries of technological advancement and delves into the core of our economic and social policies. Part 9. Rebalancing the Scales. The Role of Taxation in Addressing Economic Inequality. In the quest to mitigate economic disparities, taxation emerges as a vital tool for redistributing wealth and narrowing the chasm between the highest earners and the broader workforce. Research underscores a compelling correlation. When tax rates for the top 1% climb to 70% or above, income equality tends to improve. The rationale is straightforward. Corporations are less inclined to allocate exorbitant salaries when the majority of those funds are destined for the tax collector's coffers. This approach isn't mere theory. Examples abound globally. Nations such as Germany, Spain, and Denmark, which have adhered to higher tax brackets for their wealthiest citizens, boast a significantly smaller wage gap in comparison to countries like the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom, where tax cuts for high earners have been the norm since the 1970s. Yet, addressing the roots of economic inequality necessitates more than merely taxing top incomes. A holistic strategy calls for a broader tax base that includes wealth taxes targeting the substantial assets of the ultra-rich. Envision the impact of a 2% tax on individuals possessing assets exceeding $50 million, coupled with a 3% levy on billionaires. Over a decade, such measures could mobilize a staggering $2.70 trillion, funds that could dramatically enhance public services, support individuals impacted by globalization, and invest in essential sectors like housing and education. However, the journey to a more egalitarian society requires contributions not just from the wealthiest, but from the populace at large. Countries famed for their comprehensive social welfare systems, such as Denmark and France, derive roughly 46% of their GDP from taxes, a stark contrast to the 27% seen in the United States. These figures highlight a broader societal commitment to funding programs that combat poverty and inequality. In the United States, the notion of increased taxation faces steep resistance, rooted in skepticism towards governmental efficiency and fears of corruption. This distrust underscores the importance of transparent, accountable governance. The public's wariness about where their tax dollars are allocated underlines the need for reforms that ensure funds are effectively used to address societal needs. As we navigate an era marked by global trade complexities, technological advancements and environmental challenges, the importance of well-funded public programs cannot be overstated. Markets alone cannot be relied upon to prioritize human welfare comprehensively. Robust public initiatives are indispensable for safeguarding workers and fostering a society that can adapt to and thrive amidst the challenges ahead. Achieving this vision necessitates a renewed commitment to taxation, not as a burden, but as a shared investment in our collective future. Part 10. Upholding Dignity, a core principle in the fight against poverty. Envision a scenario where your livelihood is abruptly disrupted, employment lost to automation, the consequences of international trade conflicts, or the shifting currents of the global economy. 
Beyond the immediate financial strain, there's a deeper, more personal toll. The erosion of community ties, a sense of belonging, and perhaps most critically, one's dignity. The rapid transition from financial stability to vulnerability starkly illustrates the precarious nature of economic security and the multifaceted impact of poverty. Despite the complexities of poverty alleviation, a common pitfall among assistance programs is the tendency to view the poor through a lens of skepticism and mistrust. A prevailing assumption suggests that without stringent controls, financial aid might be squandered on non-essential items, or worse, disincentivize work altogether. Such narratives perpetuate a distorted image of the poor as inherently unreliable or lacking ambition. Contrary to these misconceptions, evidence from direct financial aid programs across 119 developing countries paints a different picture. These initiatives reveal significant improvements in nutrition and health among the recipients, without an uptick in spending on substances like alcohol and tobacco. Furthermore, the concern that unconditional financial support might deter individuals from working is unfounded. Research, including an experiment from Ghana involving one of the authors, demonstrates that financial aid can, instead, catalyze productivity and innovation. Participants provided with both a monetary stipend and assets, such as goats, not only engaged more actively in their tasks, but also produced work of higher quality. These findings suggest that far from promoting idleness, financial assistance can alleviate the stresses of poverty, empowering people to pursue new opportunities, enhance their skills, or even relocate in search of better prospects. The challenge, then, is not about crafting a universal blueprint for eradicating poverty, a feat made impossible by the diverse socioeconomic landscapes across the globe. Instead, it's about carefully considering the social context of each community and prioritizing the agency and dignity of those in need. Policies and programs must be designed with the understanding that respect for the individual is paramount and that the economically disadvantaged are capable of making wise decisions for their families and futures when given the opportunity. Empowering the poor isn't just about providing financial resources. It's also about reinstating a sense of self-worth and autonomy, thus enabling them to chart their own paths out of poverty. This approach not only addresses the material aspects of poverty, but also affirms the intrinsic value and dignity of every individual, laying a more robust foundation for sustainable upliftment. Part 11. Healing the Divides. The Path Toward a More United Democracy. In recent years, a disconcerting trend has emerged in the United States with the FBI reporting a 17% increase in hate crimes in 2017 alone, the third year of consecutive growth after a period of stagnation or decline. This uptick prompts a deeper interrogation into the roots of prejudice and division. What drives an individual to harbor hatred towards others based on race, immigration status, or socioeconomic class? Are these sentiments innately programmed, or are they a reflection of broader societal influences, such as media representation and political rhetoric? Attributing prejudice solely to innate human traits oversimplifies the issue, neglecting the critical role of social context and history. Conversely, blaming media and political figures exclusively risks underestimating individual discernment and autonomy. 
the reality is nuanced, with personal preferences and perceptions being significantly shaped by the social groups we identify with and the communities we are part of. Within these echo chambers, opinions, untested against dissenting perspectives, are fortified, leading to a homogenization of beliefs that seldom encounters challenges. This social polarization extends even to scientifically substantiated issues like global warming, with opinions split along partisan lines. About 41% of Americans acknowledge human-induced climate change, while an equal proportion either deny its occurrence or attribute it to natural cycles, a division sharply aligned with political affiliations. Social media platforms exacerbate this division, acting as amplifiers for existing biases by curating content that aligns with our preconceived notions and shielding us from opposing viewpoints. The consequence is a democracy fragmented by ideological silos, where dialogue is supplanted by a battle for ideological supremacy. However, bridging these divides and dismantling prejudices is not an insurmountable task. Meaningful change is possible through exposure to a diversity of perspectives and experiences. Academic institutions, with their blend of backgrounds and ideas, serve as crucial arenas for this exposure. Similarly, neighborhoods that nurture a mix of socioeconomic statuses offer valuable opportunities for interaction among varied demographics. For democracy to thrive and for societal rifts to heal, fostering open dialogue is imperative. It involves stepping out of our comfort zones to engage with contrasting viewpoints, challenging our biases, and building bridges of understanding across the chasms that divide us. In doing so, we pave the way toward a democracy marked not by fragmentation and discord, but by unity and a shared commitment to mutual respect and empathy. Final summary. In the contemporary discourse surrounding economics, a discipline often misunderstood or maligned, lies the potential for profound insights into addressing the critical dilemmas of our era. From the intricate dance of global trade and its impact on employment, to the formidable challenge of climate change, and the perturbations caused by advancements in artificial intelligence, economists offer invaluable perspectives on navigating these waters. Yet, realizing effective solutions to these complex issues necessitates an active and thoughtful intervention from governments worldwide. At the heart of these challenges is the imperative for equitable wealth distribution. This goal calls for a strategic overhaul of tax systems and the creation of progressive social programs aimed at bolstering the economically vulnerable. By implementing targeted financial support mechanisms and fostering employment opportunities, governments can lay the groundwork for a more inclusive economy. Moreover, amid the relentless pursuit of economic growth, a critical reassessment is overdue. This pursuit, often heralded as a panacea for societal woes, belies the genuine costs, both environmental and human, that accompany unchecked development. As such, a shift in perspective is essential, one that prioritizes sustainable progress and the well-being of all citizens over mere financial metrics. In navigating the intersecting challenges of economic inequality, climate change, AI's rise, and the precarious nature of contemporary employment, a multifaceted approach is required. Through a combination of fair taxation, innovative social initiatives, and a renewed commitment to sustainable development, 
we can forge a path that honours human dignity, environmental stewardship and economic justice. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.